Hi, I'm Luke. I'm Kaylin. And, and this, this is, is Death, Death Row Dialogue. Dialogue. I want to start out our episode by saying thank you to Alibug98 for reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. And she said, thoroughly enjoyed the episodes. Y'all are now added to my list of favorite podcasts with a five-star rating. Oh, yeah. So I love seeing these ratings. It's super fun. And uh, keep rating, and I will keep shouting people out. So I don't think we have any housekeeping things that I can think of. No? Can't think of anything? No. So I am going to structure this episode a little differently. I don't know if... I don't know how it's going to come out. I think it sounds better. I like how it's formatted more than what I have been doing. But y'all let me know on Facebook or that Gmail that I created. That's the death row dialogue at gmail.com. Or, um, yeah. Just tell me if you like this better or the other one better. And I do want to say that this is a more graphic episode than we have had in the past. It is a more gruesome crime and I will warn you before I get to the bad part, but I don't want to avoid it because it is what happened and I don't think it's, I just don't want to skip it. Right. You know, it's a part of the crime. I don't think it's fair to skip it for any aspect of it. We should know why he was put on death row. Yes. You know, if we're talking about the whole death row aspect of it, it's important that we are able to analyze the whole thing. Right. But, like I said, I will say another warning, and then I'll say at the end, it's over. That way you can skip it. Right. Because I understand some people don't want to listen to it. Yeah. So, with that being said, are you ready? All right, let's do it. Okay. So, on October 26, 1979, in Amarillo, Texas... At approximately 9.30 p.m., David Lawrence called his wife, Sarah Lawrence, who is 30 years old, saying that he would be home around 11. Like, that's when he would get off. David got home at 11.30 p.m., and he found his wife with blood on the side of her face on the floor in the living room. She was laying face up in between the couch and the coffee table with her legs spread apart, and the lower portion of her body was nude with her underwear rolled down to the bottom of her right leg. She had multiple slashes in her whole body, but the main concern was that she had a large gash in her neck that was bleeding. And um, when they moved her body, they found a brass weight of a Bowie knife underneath her. So once they had, I think she was de she was deceased on scene. Right. It, it was kind of unclear if he found her alive or not. But I think the general consensus was she was already deceased. And her children were in the house as well, down the hall from her, asleep. When they went through the house, they noticed missing was a large Bowie knife that was on display in the master bedroom on a rack. And her Sarah's purse was missing as well. David also noticed that the window screen in the master bedroom had been pulled out and there were red stains on the window seal kind of, um, like, blood right. stains. Officer Carolyn Porter took photos of the bloody palm print that was found on the inside of Sarah's thigh, and there was also a palm print on the coffee table that was beside Sarah. They also found footsteps from Sarah's house right under the window to another house that was several blocks away, and when Officer Ken Tenbrook was surveying the area, they found Jay Pinkerton, who was a 17-year-old, 
Um, they found him three and a half hours after the crime had happened, and he once he saw officers, he took off sprinting, and he ran across a bookstore parking lot. There was a foot pursuit, and then the officer ended up catching up with him when Pinkerton was trying to climb over a fence. Officer, not officer, investigator Dennis Hanley also was there when they caught him, and it said that Pinkerton was wearing jeans, tennis shoes, and his hair was slick back like he had just gotten out of the shower. And he lived in that area. So the footsteps kind of led towards his house. And he was known to officers as a known burglar in the area. Hmm. He already had this... I didn't really... I don't think he had been convicted of anything yet, but I think he had been caught doing things. Right. And um, the the thread... The thread on his tennis shoes was mat- matched what it looked like was on the ground around the house. So it was like muddy or yeah, some way that they could yes. compare these? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, but the evidence wasn't, the evidence back then wasn't advanced enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they couldn't prove for guarantee that this was when the, was this? um, 1979. They didn't have DNA. Um, we haven't got that far. Oh, well, I was just thinking with the blood, sorry. Oh, um, well, he just got, they, they said that it looked like he just showered. Yeah. So there wouldn't have been anything on him. Well, and, I meant on her thigh and on the coffee table. Well, they're thinking that's her blood. Yeah, but truly his DNA is somewhere on there. I don't know. That's not mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> what we're talking about is the tread on the tennis shoes. Yes. It wasn't advanced enough to c- match those completely. A little bit about Jay Pinkerton. He was born on February 14th in 1962, and he was a native to Amarillo and had dropped out of high school by the age of 17. He was working as a butcher's apprentice in Amarillo. So <clears throat> they arrested him, got his fingerprints, did his palm print in case it was a match with the bloody palm print, but there wasn't enough evidence to keep him, so they had to let him go. So, five months later, on April 9th, 1980, Sarah Welch, a 25-year-old former beauty queen, was murdered at the furniture store that she managed in Amarillo. She was found in the back room with 30 stab wounds to her body, and the police had zero leads. They thought that it might be connected to Sarah's because of the stab wounds, but they weren't sure. So, finally on October, not October, on September 26, 1980, Jay Pinkerton was arrested for the murder of Sarah Lawrence due to FBI fingerprint expert Peter Bellacastro, who confirmed that the handprints from the coffee table and the thigh were a match to Pinkerton's palm prints when he was arrested. So, I mean, it took them about a year mm. to prove it was him with the palm print. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I need a drink of water. My throat is, like, dying. Due to the intense fear and anxiety of the Amarillo residents that were in fear the year that this happened, they moved the trial to Corpus Christi. I feel like that's a long ways to move a trial from Amarillo to Corpus Christi. Yeah. 
But, and it said the only reason was because of the intense fear and anxiety. It also might have been because they couldn't get a jury pool. Like, because probably everyone in Amarillo knew about it. Yeah. So, all the jury would be biased. But it was said that Pinkerton loved the media attention. That he was living for being in the spotlight. And throughout the trial, we got details about what happened at the murder. And this is where um, the graphic part is. So if you don't want to listen to the graphic part, I would start skipping now. So during the trial, a Dr. Jose Diaz Esquivez stated that there were 30 stab wounds to the arms, shoulders, neck, back, left hand, and face, and in the abdomen. And in reference to the abdomen wound, he found evidence that a male penis was introduced into the wound. So, they think that he raped her before she died, raped her after she died, and then raped her stab wound in her abdomen. And then a former um, inmate said that whenever Pinkerton was arrested, the six months... after he was arrested he made several admissions of guilt saying that um he cut off her boobs and put them on the table and laughed about it and that he said that he had sex with her stab wounds and was telling everyone in the jail that he did this laughing about it so inmates were testifying against him and the inmate that testified against him said that um, he was testifying because he has a daughter and a wife, and he wasn't going to sit there and let somebody go free that had bragged about it yeah. for six months. Right. So. Well, even then, it's like, even if he wasn't bragging about it, even if he was like, oh, yeah, this is what I did, and I feel bad about it, that's the most insane thing that I have heard. That's That is deranged. And if he's 17... Yeah, 17. Like, it, it's, it's you know, only downhill. Like, it, stuff is just mm-hmm. going to get worse. And it didn't say if anything like this was done to um, Sherry's body. Right. Um, But I think this was a big part of him getting death row. Right. Um, this is, that's the gruesome part. So if you were skipping, you can unskip. So... On May 30th in 1981, he was convicted and sentenced for Sarah's murder. So, it was a pretty quick trial. He was arrested in September and convicted in May. So, about six months-ish. Yeah. Roughly six to nine months. And then, on May 13th, he was convicted and given a second life sentence for Sherry's murder. They connected him with Sherry's murder by um, bite marks that were on her body mm. were matches to his um, teeth imprints. So, um, yes. So that trial for Sherry's was held in El Paso for the same reason that the first one was held in Corpus Christi because of the whole fear. You know what I mean? I don't the fear of the residents. Like, wanting to hurt him? I don't think it was them wanting to hurt him. It was 
it was probably all of them being scared of him. And, like, all the women being scared of him and, like, living in fear for a year. Right. So they did that trial in El Paso. Mm. He once said that it was a conspiracy and he was convicted under false evidence. But I don't know how you can do false evidence for aping a handprint and your teeth. Well, I'm pretty sure we know teeth marks now. Maybe, maybe, I don't know where I got this from. I was thinking there was something that was saying teeth marks weren't conclusive evidence. Are you thinking about blood splatter? I think it's both of them. Too. Oh, both of them. I don't know. I didn't... I haven't heard that. But the only... I don't know. Uh, yeah, and then, like, fingerprints are pretty accurate. So, like, I'm sure it was him. Well, and he was in the area. Yeah. He's a known burglar. The only thing that worries me about connecting someone on something that like teeth marks is like if like he might have done it but now he might have also taken the blame and there is a someone else killer rapist out there yeah so well and i think another part that helped was he they had the same exact amount yeah the mo the 30 stab wounds to the body right and it was a female around in the age of the 30s Mm. i think sherry was 25 so he tried a lot of stupid appeals and like by stupid i mean the other ones that i've read have been like okay this jury member said this or this was it this was left out but him it was like oh well you said i was trying to burglarize sarah but actually it was david who owned the house so technically i was trying to burglarize david so it has to be thrown out because you put the wrong victim of the burglary. Stuff like that. Well, I mean, maybe... Maybe I'm thinking he had a lawyer. And uh, yeah. that was probably appointed to him. And he was like, I don't want to help this guy. I'm going to tell him to appeal for this. You know I don't, what I mean? I don't know. I was just reading it and I was like, he did not think that would work. And then there was some debate on if if uh the law was held up because they weren't for sure if she was raped post-mortem or if she was alive when it happened yeah um there was something else that i read that maybe um somebody else had sex with her before he got there and I was like, okay, look, you're just really grasping. Like, yeah, like if she wouldn't call her husband, she wouldn't call 911 if someone was... Yeah, it was just a lot of really dumb things. Like, he was trying to make the judges, like, make it sound like the judges didn't know the law. And, like, he knew the law better than them. Right. To get out of it. I wonder if, like, a lot of this is teenage arrogance. Like, I'm invincible. Like, you can't do anything to me. You know? I think that might have been some of it. And, like, it's tragic that he was young, but then it's also, like, he was able to do something this bad when he was young. I can't imagine what he would do if he didn't get caught. You know? Like, he... I feel like usually when we're talking... Like, when we were talking about Stephen Morin, he had at least a few years between his first kills. Mm -hmm. But this was five months 
between his first two kills. So what is his, what would his have, like, Excel been? Would it have been, like, two weeks? Yeah. Like, two days? How many people would he have killed if they hadn't arrested him when he was 17? He's, yeah, but he also sounded like he was just totally reckless, you know? He just wanted to do it, whereas, like, these other people are thinking about getting caught. Mm. You know, it's, like, more of a conscious thing, where he seems like he has no He like, wanted the instant he went gratification. somewhere in his neighborhood and... Yeah. You know, like... But, and it was three and a half hours later, so, like, did he go home, shower, and then try to go back? Like, was he just trying to drive around and see if the police knew what was going on? Like, what was... If he hadn't have been outside of his house, he might have gotten away with it. Yeah. You know? I don't know. So, it's just a lot of... I mean, I'm glad he was stupid. Yeah. So that he was caught. Yeah. Um, let's see. He did have a few stays of execution while he was putting in these appeals. You know, you get your first mandatory one. The first one was granted three days before his execution, and the next one was granted 26 minutes before his execution. And I think the judge over both of those were Judge Hayden Head Jr., and I think they tried to get a third one sent over to him, like that judge specifically. I think it didn't get there, or he denied it, mm. the last one. But he is now, up at to where we are in time, the youngest person that has been executed. I don't mean in, like, 2022, but, like, in our um, 1986. 13. And our 13th people, yes, he is the youngest. He was executed at 24 years old. Oh, wow. Because that one um, man we did, I can't remember what his name was at right now but he was also i think he was 17 or 18 when he did his crime mm -hmm. but he was on death row much longer so he was executed when he was 27 yeah so he was executed at 24 making him the youngest out of the 13 we've done and he was executed on may 15th in 1986 are you ready for his final meal <laughs> i feel like we've had some crazy ones this one's pretty basic um, it was crackers, fish patties, tartar sauce, french fries, sliced onions, and coffee. What is a fish patty? Um, it makes me think of, like, doesn't McDonald's have something where you can go and get, like, a fish burger? And it's, like, a fish patty would be that thing that's, like, the burger part? Like a filet? Or I guess they, like, just mash up a bunch of fish? And... I'm... I'm thinking of, like, it looks like a hamburger patty, but it's fish. Like, yeah. like when you would break it open, the consistency would be like a fish stick. Like ground beef. Like a fish stick? <laughs> yeah, like, what? you know when you get, like, the frozen fish sticks at home? Yeah. And you break it open, and it, like... I thought that was just fish that was battered. I don't... I don't know. Yeah. I'm just saying what I'm picturing. <laughs> I've never had a fish patty. I don't have a desire to have a fish patty. And if it was my last meal, I would definitely not ask for a fish patty. Especially with coffee. Maybe with some saltines, it'd be good. Why do they always add the saltines? He didn't even have a salad. I don't know. Weird. At least, at least he ate something, I guess. Yeah, other than just a tortilla. Or nothing. Like yeah. that one guy. Okay. Oh, um, he also converted to Islam in prison. I forgot to write that in here, but... So his last words were, be strong for me. 
he told his father, Gene Pinkerton, as witnesses entered the execution chamber. I want you to know I'm at peace with myself and with my God. He recited a prayer to Allah and said, I bear witness that there is no God but Allah. With your praise, I ask for forgiveness and I return unto you. And then he told his dad that he loved him. And that was the end of J. Kelly Pinkerton, who was 24 years old. That was very unsatisfying. What were you expecting? <laughs> I don't Some sort of apology to this man's family. Jeez. Yeah. Um, like. I, I don't think I've read a satisfying last words. I feel like there's been a couple that have been like, at least they're repenting a little bit. You know, maybe it wasn't like a full. Yeah. Uh, the my last words are gonna be an apology. Mhm. But. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. Yeah, it was definitely. For what he did, just to say a, a prayer. And well, like, and the prayer, it lines up with my idea of them is they're selfish. And they're praying for themselves. Yeah. And, like, so their last words are them asking for forgive them forgiveness for themselves and not trying. I mean, there's no way they can console the family. But, like, even doing one last selfish act, like, one selfish act of your life, saying, like, I can't believe I did this. Yeah. I'm sorry that I took away your whole meaning of life. Well, they say that about, uh, like, people who are cheaters or, like, sociopaths, you know, like, if they cry when you catch them, it's because they got caught, not because... Not because they hurt you. Right. Not because they feel bad. Mm-hmm. Because they're just mad that they got caught and... Maybe embarrassed or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah, that was... I think every time they just get worse. Every crime, I'm like, oh, that was really bad. It can't get worse. And then it does. Yeah. So. Well, that is the end of this episode Um, From now on, if there is something that I think is gruesome or more than just me mentioning um, sexual assault, then I will do a warning for the people that want to skip. So, that is all I have for you, and we will see y'all hear you. You'll hear us next week. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.